ladies and gentlemen out in podcast land. This is Signals from Pittsburgh, and today we have a very special guest. But before we introduce him, I want to say hello to my podcast partner. Hello, Brittany. Hello, Mr. Wills. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. <laughs> a little tired, but, you know, we're making it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the life we live now. We've uh, given ourselves over to a podcast, so this is uh, dragging our soul out of us. And, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for because uh, it'll... Because uh, we hate it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we hate It's awful. No, no, we love it. And thank you for listening. I want to uh, introduce a gentleman... I, he's a he's a cult hero. He's a man above the people. One of the nicest guys I've ever met since I've moved to Pittsburgh. Filmmaker, uh, hell of a party host. Though I did miss his Halloween party this past uh, a few weeks ago, which I am sad about. But uh, Mr. Fred Vogel, Fred, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, trying to keep our sanity in the middle of all this pandemic, but things are picking up. Uh, you said you're back to work, so that's good, correct? Yes. Uh, back to work in a very COVID-safe environment. Uh, you know, they don't mess around there at Netflix, so. <laughs> they uh, they get make you get into the hazmat suit and give you the scrub down before you go on set? Well, you know, we get, we get tested, you know, two times a week, and um, – you know, we have to wear all the PPE coverings and everything like that. It's uh, it's actually really great, you know, because it, it keeps us making movies here in Pittsburgh, which is important um, for the union. And, um, you know, keeps bringing great projects to Pittsburgh. And I'm very fortunate to to work on big movies in Pittsburgh as well as make my own. Yeah, let's talk about some of your movies. Let's get right into it. What do you say, Britt? Let's do it. I- let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I will. I think you've seen all all of them. <laughs> I have not seen all of them. I, I wait. Most. So I have this little thing I do. So uh, I, I love Fred's movies, but they are an endurance. So I have to mentally not 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 his new one. And we'll get into that because I feel like he's he's uh, evolving as a filmmaker. But the toe tag stuff is great. And I and I love it. But sometimes I just have to be prepared for it in the best way possible. So I have to <laughs> mentally, I have to do my Zen meditation before I uh, dive in. But yeah. I, f- I fucking love them. They're great. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've seen, seen three. I've seen <laughs> three. I've watched three of them. But we're gonna have Fred back on, so this will we'll, uh, talk about these three and some other stuff, and then uh, it'll give us more meat on the bone for next time. Uh, so I, uh, like I said, you've seen a, co- a few more than I have, Will, but um, I watched August Underground because I figured we'd go, you know, first one. <laughs> um, and then I watched uh, Redson Tow- Tower. Um, and then I watched uh, the final interview. There you go. Yeah, it's, that's not a bad, it's not a bad group of movies there. I didn't think, I thought they were, yeah, I thought it was a great group of movies. I had watched, I had screened August Underground beforehand, and Brittany has watched some extreme, you know, movies before. And for those of you who haven't seen August Underground, I don't know what you're waiting for. Fred, is it still in print, or did you sell out of all your copies? It's all, it's out of print again. That's a good thing. Out of print again, because you... We did a, we did 1,000 of the Blu-ray, and um, they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's I had a DVD copy, and then I was able to snag 
a copy of that Blu-ray trilogy. So when we have you on again, we'll talk about uh, some more of the stuff. But yeah, I just wanted we I wanted to watch a smattering. I I moved here from Ohio, so I wasn't I was vaguely familiar with August Underground. But then I met you outside of all that through a good friend of the show, Jason Baker, and just from you coming to shows. And I was like, oh, that's Fred. Fred's cool. They're like, yeah, he's made August. He made August Underground, and I'm like, well, how is it? And everybody's like, you know. <laughs> it's, it's intense <laughs> and i'm like oh i gotta see it now and but you're like so nice th- like the first time we hung out at your house it's like we just like drank some beers and talked about wrestling and music and it's like then i uh watched august underground i'm like first i was i was i was literally blown away my my review and then i hope you don't take this like the wrong way but i think it's um cannibal holocaust for the columbine generation i think it has that a harrowing effect like when i watched it i was like Damn, like I, I had not been like terrified like that in a long time. And I was like, this is this movie delivers. And I really I really dug it. Well, that's good, because that's the point, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, that movie was meant to, uh, you know, make you feel something for sure. Um, you know, at the time when I made the movie and, uh, you know, early 2001, um, there wasn't really anything like it. And um you know, I, I wanted to make something that, you know, people really never saw before in that, you know, that cinema verite style. Uh, you know, the whole found footage movement really just started with the Blair Witch Project in 1999. And then August Underground was made in 2000 and came out in 2001. So there really wasn't much of that found footage style out there. Yes, there have been project, you know, films before that dabbled in it and um, done very well. And I definitely influenced me like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and Cannibal Holocaust and uh, Last House and Dead End Street movies like that. But, um, you know, there really again, there really just wasn't anything like it at the time. What did you think uh, the film Brit? Um, well, you, you kind of like, uh, prepared me for it a a bit before I saw, I don't know if I would have seen it without you saying anything first. Um, I think I would have been kind of even more shocked, but it was still intense. It was still a really intense movie. And, um, the, the effects and like the camera you used really helped sell it. It really gave it that home video, like dirty, dirty, (laughs) what am I watching feeling? It had to look like that. You know, I actually shot it on a really good camera. It was like the, the best video camera at the time. It was a Canon XL1. They were shooting like all the big shot on video movies on that camera. But when um, we were editing the movie and, you know, recording it over onto videotape, onto other videotapes, onto older videotapes to really give it that look. This is before there was like Grindhouse uh, – you know, filters, you know, there wasn't any filters really, right. you know, like we, I, I, we created that look, that filter. Yeah, I wanted that, to ask you that. Yeah. Blown out video tape. yeah. There wasn't anything like that at the time. And I think that really helped sell it. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know, even as time went on, you know, when for YouTube first started and people started uploading videos, that's what it looked like. You started seeing that. So August Underground really stayed um, relevant because of that, because it looked like something that you've seen, you know, you've recognized that, that video yeah. quality look yeah. to it. 
And, you know, if it didn't look, and the thing is, it, it had to look real. If it didn't look real, then I, you know, I wasn't really doing my job because then the movie wouldn't have the staying power that it does. It had to, it had to come off as realistic. Right. It so. did. <laughs> it, yeah, it definitely does. It definitely looks like a, a tape you would find on the side <laughs> of the Something road. Something you or, shouldn't have found. <laughs> you know, just like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, and I, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite qualities about it, and the fact that you guys did that to give it that generational, you know, wear on it that that just adds to the the whole uh, specter of the film. I really dig it. Uh, for you, obviously, you act in it as the lead. You're such a fucking nice guy. It's so hard to believe that you. It's not like it's crazy. <laughs> but what did it take for you to get in that? Was it hard for you to get into that headspace? Or because I, I mean, I'm sure you can get angry, but it's just like, it's like I said, it's a harrowing performance. It's, it's insane, but it's so, it's so believable. It's acting, you know. Um, (laughs) I'm a good actor. (laughs) You are, you're a great actor. Uh, You know, so, you know, it, it, it was, of course, I had to get into that mind space. Okay. Like I'm going down and, I never really acted in a full feature film before. You know, I played with my friends and when I was making, when I first started becoming a filmmaker and making videos with my buddies and, and stuff, I always acted and it had a lot of fun. This, you know, as a director acting in your own movie, you know, I really knew, I knew what I wanted and I was able to, you know, because I knew what I wanted and I knew how the effects work, it was easy for me to hide if there was any problems. Mm -hmm. You know, I can like get in front, I can stand in front of the camera to hide something, you know, if if, if the blood tubing wasn't hooked up right or whatever, my, you know, my back hits the camera, that could be an editing point, that could be me fixing it, whatever I needed to do. So it it helped that I was acting in it. Yeah. Um, I, uh. I remember I, I used to, you know, what I would do is I would like sit in my car and I would like listen to Chicago <laughs> and uh, kind of just get into this nice little peaceful rhythm and then I could turn it on and then like I could turn it on and I could turn it off really fast because, you know, when you're doing these really intense scenes with actors and, you know, I was using a lot of non you know, non-actors. There are people that were just willing enough to be in my little yeah. movie that, you know, I needed them to trust me as the director and trust me as the actor and then be able to, if I felt like they weren't giving me the 100%, I had to pull that from them by being more intense. So, you know, if I felt like, you know, somebody wasn't giving me, the, if they weren't scared enough, then I would just turn that juice on and like, you know, I'm six foot three, you know, I'm a, I'm yeah. a big guy and um, I can, I can, you know, pick you up and throw you over my shoulder or I can do whatever I need to do, to, <laughs> to, you know, a big giant hand over your face, whatever, you know, to, to scare you. But still, you know, it was all about being safe and um, you know, cause I was making a movie and it was my first movie. So I was just learning so much. But I was at like the top of my game as an effects guy. I was still teaching at the Tom Sabini makeup school at the time. And, um, you know, it was just, it was this little window that I knew that if like, if I was ever going to make a movie right now is the time to do it. And, 
you know, there has there like I said, there wasn't really anything like it at the time, especially telling the story about these sociopaths. And yeah. uh, you know, this is Jackass was really new. You know, there was a you know all that kind of like shot on video t- angst that was going on at the time was just also new. And then like if you have something like something like August Underground comes to life and it's just so brutal and nihilistic. Um, you know, that's how, that's what really put me on the map. You know, like when it came out, people were scared of it. People that reviewed it didn't know what it was. They thought it was real. And, um, you know, that just showed the power. And it was like the birth of the, it was still new. The internet was new yeah. and, uh, you know, getting the coverage that I got Rumorg magazine, put it on the cover as the most disturbing movie ever made. Like, you know, yeah, I saw you made the cover twice. Uh, one about August Underground, and then just about you and what you were doing with uh, Toe yeah, Tag. I've I've been on the cover a few times for Rumorg, um, and uh, it's always awesome because you know I really respect you know Rumorg and the magazine and the stuff that they covered, and they were they really took a chance. They, uh, you know, they were they were blown away by August Underground, and this you know the, I remember Rod Godino, the the owner of Rumorg, was like you made something that everybody's been trying to get right. Like nobody's been never able to sell this fake snuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you really sold that. And uh, that meant a lot to me. And that's why they, they gave me the cover. Yeah. I, I, it was, it it was amazing. Uh, I I think it's because you went there and what you said, uh, you brought up Henry portrait of a serial killer as one of your, uh, is that one of the inspirations? Maybe not for August Underground, but for you to get into special effects and filmmaking. No, 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 and no. That kind of I mean, de- de- Henry definitely for August Underground. Like I remember, that's what I would show actors. I'm like, all right, guys, this is what we're doing, and I would show that home invasion scene from Henry, and be like, all right, just imagine like a whole feature film of that. So people right. got it. Okay, mm-hmm. so it looks real. It needs to look real, and there needs to be safety words because you know you, you could be screaming no. But uh, that's what you have to scream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you say, when you say <laughs> right. banana, I'll stop. So um, that was that. But, you know, I've been a horror fan since I was five years old. I saw Frankenstein at an early age. And then growing up in the time that I did, you know, I grew up with the 80s video boom and um, watching all the great horror movies from the 80s. Uh, 80s. And, you know, one of my heroes and special effects is Tom Savini. So, um, you know, I've studied, I, I kind of like studied, you know, I wanted my, my career to kind of be like his, like he was a special effects guy that loved movies. And then he started directing movies and I was a special effects guy that wanted to make movies. And <laughs> I started making movies and, uh, it just, it, it just, it's funny how things work out, you know, like Tom and I are good friends and, you know, I taught at his school and, you know, if you really work hard, you can live the dream. And I got, I'm very fortunate to have lived the dream. Definitely. And, and you, you have, um, like a cool punk rock aesthetic, especially with like going back and like, I didn't get to live through all of it, but you know, retroactively seeing it moving to Pittsburgh and getting ingratiated in the toe tag. It's like, I really loved your guys' grind. It's like, it was all in house. You act, you guys still do it to this day with the final interview, you and your wife Shelby are, you know, putting the inserts in, in the DVDs and sending them out. And there's something to be said about that. It's like you growing up as a fan, did that kind of influence you to be that way as opposed to you guys kind of went into it a little bit unread. Absolutely. 
you know, so things that I love, you know, I love, I love Kiss, I love WWE, <laughs> you know, I love the Misfits, and it's like all those things put together um, is what Toe Tag was. You know, it was great marketing, talented people, and you know, a, a really amazing hard work ethic. And you know, we had the, you know, we were all artists. Mm-hmm. And we all brought something to the table, you know, when if it, if it was Shelby's producing and, you know, writing, if it was my directing and producing, if it was in Jeremy's special effects and or Christie's artwork or whatever it was, um, you know, we all brought something to the table back then. And, you know, at 24, it's easy to be that punk rock because you are, you know, you, you don't. You don't have house payments and you didn't have the car payments. We were all able to live in a house and just create our art and be as sick and demented as we wanted to and, and put out these films that, uh, you know, people never seen before. And, um, you know, we just, Tote came at a really awesome time and, I, you know, I, I love it to death. And um, I, I miss those times, but I'm also excited about where I'm going now and, um, what I'm creating now in the final interview is I think my best work. Mm-hmm. We recently rewatched it. We watched it and then uh, watched it again recently. a yeah. couple nights ago. And I have to agree. I would say it's a, it's a step. I'm sure it's hard for you because everybody knows you, like you said, and Tom, Tom was on the show. He's like, don't call me the Godfather of Gore. Cause you love all movies. And we, you and I have talked off air like at length about stuff. You're like you said, you're into everything, so it's nice that you're stepping into other realms. You know, it's still within the wheelhouse, but I thought it was a well-told story and very, you know, captivating. The acting is really what drives it, yeah. um, especially your directing and your acting. And I loved. Uh, I gotta give it up to Granger Hines. Like he was, he he sucked me in. He was my favorite part. I mean, I like the movie all around, yeah. but I really loved Granger. Yeah, uh, no, he's wonderful. I mean, you know, it's like it was. It's the whole progression of my career. You know, when you make a movie as powerful as the as August Underground, and then I, you know, we I followed it up with the sequel, August Underground's Mortem, which was even more fucking intense and crazy. And you know, from there, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I need to like do something completely different. Or I'm just going to be known as the guy that, you know, cuts off girls' nipples and smears shit in it and, you know, um, or making these snuff movies. <laughs> right. You know, that's, not, that's not the path that I wanted to take, you know. Right. So that's when I made, when I made The Reds and Tower. That was – I really wanted to show people like, hey, I can write and I can direct and, you know, I wanted to make something that was fun and yet still had that toe tag touch to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where the Redson Tower came from. And then I finished, then I made the third August Underground movie because after the Redson Tower, I, I wanted to kind of disclose the chapter on that. And, you know, after, the, after that was done, I was able to make a few other pictures that were just, you know, really important to me as well, like Murder Collection and Maskhead and Celatersica. But when it came to the final interview not being a toe tag movie, just being a Fred Vogel film. Um, it was really important for me just to show all everything that I've learned in these 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, like I, 
I want it, to, it, it's, I always, I, I say this a lot. Like it, it'd be so easy for me to make some slasher film, you know, like it's, I don't even look at that as a challenge. Um, that's why I don't do it Yeah. because I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I've made that through the course of all the different movies. Um, but like doing something like the final interview where you have to depend on your acting, you have to depend on your storytelling and your, in your, the production design and all these different elements to give that feel of like what I was trying to convey. Um, you know, I, I had to work really hard at that. And that's, and because of that, now that's going to help me make my, when I make my next movie, it's going to make me so much better. Cause you just, you get better every time you go mm-hmm. and you learn from your mistakes and you, you know, you, you have to grow, you know, with the final interview, I'm so excited about it, but no matter what somebody, if I put something up on the internet or Facebook or whatever, and I'm like, Hey, I'm so excited about the final interview. And then somebody will write like, Hey, when's August underground four coming out? <laughs> And it's just like, wow, you know, like, right. no, it's never coming out because I made those movies. Right. Those movies are fucking done. Yeah. And, right. you know, they are what they are. Like, how do you go from the top? You know, like people still talk about the August Underground films. It's 20 years. Yeah. And yeah, it's- yeah, next year will be 20 years. Oh. And yeah, yeah. You know, if. I'm I'm so happy and I love them. You know what I mean? Like I I'm not one of those filmmakers that are like, oh my god, my movies. Uh, you know, I wish I never made those. No, I'm so proud of them. Like they gave me, they gave me this opportunity to speak to you guys. They've given me my opportunity to make the final interview. You know, I just you know, as an artist, you have to grow and you have to create. I'm not 24 years old and full of piss and vinegar. You know, I'm 44 mm-hmm. and I you know I want to I want to tell different stories, yeah. mature stories. The final interview is a mature story yeah and that's the kind of movie a 44 year old person makes (laughs) i couldn't make the final interview at 24 no fucking way it would have been a very different film yeah well it's a combination of just everything like you said everything that's everything you've worked on in any capacity all the way up to this point you learn every time and then i'm sure this is like you said going to branch off into whatever you do next too so and I, I was really, um, I mean, I've only seen the three of them, but to see, um, to see those three movies at three different kind of major points, um, in like changes of direction that you've done, um, over time, uh, I got, I got that sense too, that you're moving in into a different direction and you're getting better and better, especially with the final interview with, um, just telling, a story and really relying on those actors because it's almost like there's not very many set pieces it's like mainly just that one room so it's i think that's a very hard thing to do is keep something interesting when it's you know a couple guys in a room for almost the whole movie absolutely i remember you know well the script is the 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 script is really amazing rebecca swan wrote a really great script off my story and I knew if I can like visually tell that, that we had something. Mm-hmm. But I remember like when people first, when we did the first edit of the film, you know, I just didn't want people to fall asleep. Like these are just two people talking. And, but the, the movie has so many layers with the, the, the sound design and, you know, jumping from different formats of the widescreen to the full screen to the shot on video look, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, to cutting back and forth to Diane through the earpiece. Like there's lots of layers. So that really helps yeah. tell the story instead of just like when I first came up with the idea, I just I wanted it to look like a straight up videotape interview like that you would just find from like 1983. Like that yeah. was what I had in mind. But when Rebecca came back with the script and she added the Diane, uh, the Rhonda character played by Diane Franklin, at first I was like, oh, my God, Swan, like, what are you doing to me? Like, I, I, you know, I'm trying to make this movie for not a lot of money. And now you're throwing this other character and I have to make that character a star that needs to be a movie star. Like I knew going into it that I had Damien as Darius Tidman. And I needed a movie star to be Oliver Ross. But now that I got this other person in here, that person needs to be a movie star too. And I knew that it was going to cost more money, but I'm so glad that, you know, she came up with that character because um, it really tied everything together and, and made the story so much tighter because she was there. And she's that voice of reason, you know, and she kind of helps you know, she kind of if you if you feel lost and like what's going on, she's always there to bring you back. I really enjoyed their banter. <laughs> yeah, their banter, like how he was just annoyed with her, but knew ultimately she was right and had uh, yeah, obviously they had history because they had been married. But it was just you 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 want to pull for him, but it's just like is he irredeemable? And it, it's 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 such a I don't want to give away the ending. Go out and order it. Are we sold out yet, or we're getting close? Right on that. It's it's selling, you know. Um, so normally, like I have all these different outlets to sell my movie, like going to conventions and things like that. Well, mm -hmm. now with COVID, you know, this is really my first time just kind of pushing the Facebook and the Instagram. Yeah. Um, so I'm still it's it's still a learning process for me this way. Right. Um, so I wish you know we did a really decent we did a really decent pre-sale. There's still movies left, so. Um, I think what's going to happen is, is just like all my films, word of mouth is what's going to is what's going to happen, and then people are going to be left out in the cold. Like you're going to be spending three hundred dollars on eBay for it, where you could have just bought it for fifty bucks and you know have something really special, a limited edition like this. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, and hopefully uh, we'll get this a uh, podcast out soon, and you can uh, we'll throw up the website on our uh, feed for you, Fred, and then you can. Uh, promoted at the end of the show too but we'll definitely grab the final interview in any of uh fred's movies he's got for sale uh all of uh and people might go oh fifty dollars you're you're helping a filmmaker like fred paid out of pocket for this film and it goes right back into his other movies so i never balk at that and you get your money's worth it's a uh, handmade it's you're supporting pittsburgh film and a hell of an independent filmmaker so yeah. all that yeah, money's going to the right it's place disc. It's, it's a blu-ray it's a dvd it's the soundtrack it you know, there's um, photo cards in there and autograph photos. And, you know, it comes in that beautiful Criterion, you know, three disc case. Yeah. So it's definitely not cheap. You know? And it, does that come from you being growing up as a collector and knowing what you would want to yeah, purchase? Absolutely. absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing is like, you know, COVID, you know, I, I was hoping that if there was no COVID, the final interview would have kept doing some more film festivals and I would have done some, rented some theaters out and shown it again in Pittsburgh. Um, but then, you know, this, you know, COVID hits and everybody's stuck at home. So it made, it made Shelby and I think like, hey, like maybe we need to put it out right now and mm -hmm. get people some fresh entertainment to watch during this, this crazy time. 
Oh, yeah. So um, that's what we did. And I wanted to give the fans something completely special from us personally. Well, I know uh, I, I'm ordering one. Brittany's ordered one. Uh, so we're, you've got our money coming your way. And uh, so you guys better hurry up. So that's minus two. <laughs> yeah, hurry up. Get on it. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to uh, talk about a few things uh, I loved about the yeah, movie, if good. that's okay with you. And you can kind of riff. Uh, the music. Uh, Brittany and I both, I think, agreed we loved the music. Uh, it's like that sev- late 70s, early 80s vibe. The whole opening shot. Britt, I'll toss it to you because you said you were a big fan of that, right? Yeah, no, I loved I loved the opening i mean it started out real strong i loved the vibe that it gave like straight up the taxi um just the shots the the music that you chose to use i felt like i was going into a well almost like a well something out of the 70s 80s like mystery late night sort of vibe uh which i think that's what you're going for (laughs) i loved it it was so the the music was done by paul joyce okay and I remember like this when I just the idea was just floating around in my head about making this movie. I was at a, a film festival with Paul Joyce and I told him, I'm like, hey, I want to make this 80s movie and uh, I'd love for you to do the music. So when he started making music for the movie, um, it was very synth like, you know, when you t- when you say 80s, you know, there's that's what you think. Mm-hmm. And um, right. I remember his music was so, I'm like, oh, this is so great, but this is so wrong for the movie. So mm-hmm. I, I told him, I'm like, Paul, I'm like, stop what you're doing. Let me send you a couple scenes so you can kind of see like what we're working with here. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he saw what we were working with, he's just like, oh, I got it. And that's just, the, yeah. you know, his talent. And, and, you know, the really awesome thing is all that music, that's, he brought in real saxophone players and real, you know, real musicians. It's not all, yeah. you know, there might have been a few drum tracks that were done on the computer and a few other little pieces, but all that stuff was really recorded. And, you know, for an itty bitty little movie to have music like that, I mean, it, the the music is that's why I really wanted the soundtrack to come with the the special edition is because I just I was just so blown away by all the music pieces in the film, uh, you know, from the opening bookends pieces, that jazzy stuff to, you know, when when they're in the prison and you can hear like that ah oh, like that primal banging and yeah. I mean it's so layered and wonderful. Uh, I, I I really love what Paul did, and I'm glad you guys enjoyed the music. Oh, it was awesome! It, yeah, it, it, in the prison especially, it had that um, ominous space to it. It's like sometimes with horror films, especially big budget or popcorn horror movies, it's just like right in your face. But his uh, score really has room to breathe, so you, it lets the actors in, but it still kind of hangs there, kind of like. Um, an exorcist uh reminded me of, like exorcist 3 vibe where it has like that haunting like that the music is there but it's you know it's its own yeah. character it's just and setting that's what the music mood. should do it should it should elevate the scenes like you know especially like the mekong delta scene where oliver ross is telling the, the story about when he was in vietnam mm-hmm. like that music that music piece over his performance is just is beautiful oh yeah and like you feel, you know what I mean? You're so, it literally like sucks you in 
and you're just watching you know the camera kind of like doing the slow little zoom into oliver's face and his eyes and him welling up and how emotional he's getting over this whole scene and then that music is just there just to help you like ride that out and um you know I remember, like, the first time we cut that together, I was like, holy shit, like, we got something special here. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes. And I, like I said, we're going to, we'll talk about the movie a little bit. We won't give the ending away, but I felt, um, and you said you had uh, her help you with the script, but in your original story, it felt to me, and this may be obvious, but uh, just stating the obvious, which one of these people is really really yeah. the monster is it is it uh there's tidman or is it oliver ross because the more you find out about tidman you kind of gain a little more empathy for him because maybe he was just a victim of his environment and circumstance yes he you know he relished in murder as we find out throughout the movie but you know it's kind of sounds like he was marked as a as a monster from an early age to where oliver ross kind of developed in in knowingly became monster now with that scene you just mentioned he, it was kind of a survival but he kind of maybe got a uh, taste for blood at, yeah. after that well that was the whole thing you know you, there needed to be that battle between the two um you know who do you root for and uh, oliver says in the opening scene you know somebody's gonna die tonight and mm-hmm. it's just super <laughs> poignant to everything and um you know it's uh it's it it's it's dark, but it's not so dark to where it's like a true horror film, you know. Like, what would you guys categorize the film as? I always I always like to ask people, like, you know, is is do you find it more of a horror film? Do you find it more of a thriller? Or like, where where do you think it lays? That's hard. It's I it think it's hard. I I think it's a weird blend, but not weird in a bad way, but more so like um. I don't know if you can like fully categorize it in any um, any specific category. I think it's a blend of I would say like drama actually um, with horror mm-hmm. elements. Um, I don't know how much I'd say thriller, um, but then just kind of dark. You know, that's not really a genre, but <laughs> it's just like a dark a dark <laughs> drama horror. Maybe that's kind of where I would put it. What do you think? I thought it, it, it does have elements of horror, uh, especially later on, but it's more psychological. I could see the psychological thriller because it's especially, and, and I agree with the drama. Um, it, it evoked, not that I'm saying that these movies were an influence, but for me, it kind of evoked like that uh, natural born killers a little bit like, or, uh, you know, it also felt, and I'm sure this may, it was probably one of the things you were going for, but feel free to, commentate on this but like those old sit down interviews actually you said a bit earlier but like when Geraldo would sit down with Charles Manson or they'd sit down with like the Iceman or you know it felt like that but then it had more more heart to it because you're like eh. it, you, there was sympathy there was a lot of sympathy to be felt for both of these characters so it I definitely felt drama drama slash like a kind of a prison, you know, movie vibe. But <laughs> are not, we making up new it, genres it, it's now? It kind of exists in its own realm, but <laughs> well, yeah. like, that's see, that's the funny thing is, is like, you know, all my movies are they play in this weird. It's it's hard to categorize them. 
you know mm-hmm. it's a fred vogel movie yeah i like movies that are dark and i love horror elements to them um i love love stories and you know all my movies as fucked up as they are they all have a love story tied in mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah, it's 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 hard for me. I remember like you know trying to get all the press stuff together for film festivals, and it's like, what the fuck do I call this thing? I don't even know what it is. <laughs> and I felt the same way making well, it. You know, like I've never really seen anything like it. I mean, yes, there's movies like Dinner with Andre, and um, you know, movies that kind of have that two people in a room kind of talking. But you know, the final interview has a little bit, you know, has a little bit more. And I was, I, I was, I'm nervous. And excited for my fans to see this movie um, because, you know, I've been very lucky. Like my fans have grown with me through the years and I've always changed up my film. So it's never been like I stuck to one kind of thing. So I think, you know, all the people who have grown with me over the past 20 years are going to really enjoy this because they're a little bit older and more sophisticated. And maybe this is something that they want to see instead of like, you know, some like I said, cutting off nipples and smearing shit in them. I mean, we love that. We love all that <laughs> here at Signals from Pittsburgh. We'll take, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take the deep intellect of uh, conversation and uh, cutting nipples <laughs> off with uh, feces being yeah. smeared in the, the wound. We we take it all, yep. the sacred and the profane, as our friend Jonas says. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why we appreciate you. That's why we wanted to have you on. I, I like knowing you as a person and I'm, you know, part of me misses or is sad from the fact that I kind of missed out living in Pittsburgh in the, you know, I, w- I don't want to say the prime era, but in the uh, impetus of toe tag, but I kind of like meeting you later in life and you're like, yeah, I did that and I'm proud of that, but I'm doing this and I kind of get the whole Fred Vogel experience and it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I feel like, um, definitely lucky to have met you and, and uh, watch some of your films, and like I said, I'm you know I'm gearing up, and I wa- I'm going through them. I like to um, I told this to Brittany too. I like to save movies, so if I'm having a rainy day, I'll be like, I haven't watched this one yet, so I'll pop it in, and then we can talk about that. But uh, Red Sin Tower, if I can talk about that one for a little bit, I I just love the set, and you said that was a transitional movie for you as well, where you wanted to you know prove more of your you know writing chops and directing chops outside of what you were calling the, the the snuff film era, but I thought I just there was something about that movie that really grabbed me. I just thought it had a cool mood, and um, you can tell that you guys were just having fun making it. But it was still like great and yeah. and great I characters. Really I just I loved the acting in it. I thought the set was cool. I thought it was really fun. It's a great it's a great Halloween movie your- too. Like I, I wish I wish I would have had the time this Halloween to like do, do like a a live watch of it, you know, where I could sit and everybody could, we can all watch it on the zoom or whatever and, and talk about it. Cause I think it's such a, it's such a fun movie. And the reason why it's super fun and, and, and I really love this movie is because it has, it was one of the first, it was the first movie that toe tag kind of all got together and put what we love into movies. Like again, I like love stories. I love slasher films Jeremy loves possession movies, you know, so it was one of those things where like we kind of put everything that we loved into the film and 
you know, the movie go takes you one way and then goes completely other, <laughs> the opposite, kind of like from Dust Till Dawn to where it's like, wait a minute, is this like some action movie? And then it turns into a vampire movie. Well, you know, the Reds <laughs> and Towers starts off with this kind of like a slasher film and then turns into a possession movie. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, you know, the, the cool thing about Toe Tag is like we don't have any rules. Yeah. You know, if we want to show a demon baby come out of a vagina, we're going to fucking do it. If I want the girl to be possessed and topless at the end, you know, for the last 20 minutes, that's what I'm going to have in the movie. So, you know, because that's cool. Yeah. And nobody's ever done that shit. Right. So, you know, that, that was such it was such a fun time. And like, I love all those kids. You know, they're not kids anymore. They're all parents and doctors and. <laughs> teachers and um you know they've really grown to you know be you know uh, these amazing wonderful people but when i had them they were 20 21 22 24 you know kids and um they we did all this movie inside our studio we built this set and everything was you know everything was was contained and um we all lived with each other and it was just a lot of love again to, you know, my world of making movies is very family and I take you in and Shelby and I are very, you know, we're very parental. Um, we don't have any kids, but when we make a, when we make these films, they are our kids and the people that come and play with us, um, we nurture them and we just want to have the best time. And I'm sure if you talk to Jason about it, you know, it's, you know, and you've been to the, you know, you've been to our get togethers and you see how we interact with people and, you know, it's, uh, life's about, you know, being able to create art, but also being a good human being and, and putting out these wonderful vibes. That's really what helps, I think, my, our product, my films. Do you think that's why you're such a giving and caring person that you get to, cathartically get all all your demons oh, for in sure your movies i don't have I <laughs> get have, them all out. you know <laughs> me me having a nightmare is like shopping for a wrestling figure and i can't find it or you know <laughs> I, I go to a skateboard shop and i can't buy the skateboard i want on the wall like that's the you know that's really where my nightmares go i i i sleep very well at night because i do like when i get to create my art you know, I get to expel all that stuff, you know, like I, you know, I hate real violence, but I love violent horror films. Um, I, right. you know, I could swim in fake blood all day long, but then if I see real blood, I'm totally grossed out by it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the way that it's always, that's the way that it's always been for me. Um, so, you know, it's it's good. I, I think we all need to exercise our demons some way or another. And I know some people watch my movies to exercise those demons. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's some people that want to jerk off to fucking August Underground. And then there's some people that get it. <laughs> there's some people that get it and say, wow, that was a really powerful piece of, 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 of cinema verite, you know. Um, but then there's some people that don't get it and they just, they, you know, oh, yeah, that's fucking, I like, you know, doggy style with a hammer to the head you know stuff like that so um you draw a little it's, bit it's, of everyone it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's weird it's, 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 you know but that's like that's art yeah you know and it's been going it, it's been like that forever you know and i look at all the people who who have made art that 
pushes the boundaries. And of course, we can talk about, you know, the films or the music like Marilyn Manson or Judas Priest and, you know, people judging people for what they watch or what they listen to or video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's, it's just art, you know. I agree. And it's what you do with it, like you said. Um, and I'm sure, you know, those people that, you know, quote unquote, get off on it, you know, it's a slippery slope. Like, I understand people are gore hounds and that's cool. But like you said, it's like, what's, you know, it, sometimes there's a line. You're like, you're, you're missing the forest through the trees a little bit because it's like, you know, look deeper than the movie. And that's, and not to be pretentious about it. I mean, obviously I liked it for the gore, but I also like when I, I watched it, it's like, what a heroin movie. And like, I, you know, not to toot you too much, but I was like, you had to be brave to make that movie. And I don't know if you knew that in your twenties, but like it, it, like, I know your life had to have changed. I've, I've only read, and I've talked to you a little bit because it had to been hard. Some of the backlash oh, yeah. you got through that. Like, was there anything that really affected you and, and made you kind of second guess things in the early yeah, days absolutely. of Toe Tag? Or, you know, so or, like my, my partner making August underground, he, uh, the the guy who played the cameraman, Alan Peters, which is a fake name, um, you know, he bailed on me um, because it just he when we started getting reviews back from people saying that, like, yo, I'm ready to call the cops. I don't know what this if this is real or not. Um, you know, he was he had a family. He had a child. Mm. Uh, he felt like he had more to lose. I didn't have that. And you know, I risked everything. Mm -hmm. I lost my job at the Savini School because of it. Um, you know, the school wasn't ready, you know, they didn't know what to do. You know, you have a, you have a, a young instructor there who made this super powerful, disgusting horror film. And what do you do with that? You know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when I made the, you know, as I made August Underground's Mortem and stuff like that, like my cousin was murdered right before I started shooting the Redson Tower. And oh, I was like, ready to be like, okay. I need to stop putting this bad juju out to the world. And, you know, I remember my uncle talking to me about it and he's just like, no, Fred, like you make your fucking horror movies. Like, you know, you, you know, what's what, you're a good person just because you're making a movie. You can't let other people, if something bad happens, like take that fault. And he's absolutely right. You know, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I had, there was, there was a, a case where, you know, a fan, I, I, I sell hammers that are assigned and I had a fan like, you know, come after his girlfriend with it, with a hammer and he was killed by the police. And, you know, there's been, I've, I've definitely had my share of shit, you know, yeah. loss of my art. Yeah. And, um, I would, I wish violence on, on nobody, you know what I mean? But, but unfortunately people are mismedicated, um, you know, there are some people with mental illness out there. There's all different kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, I just hope that, you know, they find different outlets to, you know, to calm that shit down and not let movies or music or whatever take, you know, take hold of that. But yeah. Wow. It, 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 it's intense, though. Yeah. You know, and it's definitely made me question yeah. lots of things. Um. But uh, I would, if, if I was asked if I would do it all over again, absolutely. Because I was put here to make mm -hmm. those movies. Mm -hmm. Like I was, you know, my, my, my art is 
just as important to me as it as it was his, the art to Picasso or the art to Oliver Stone or mm-hmm. whoever. You know what I mean? Like this is this is what I'm here for. I'm here. I'm here to make these these provoking films because that's what they do. Yeah. Every single one of my films is very provoking in in a sort of way. Um, even like even if the Redson Tower is fun, there's definitely some shit in that movie that's like, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, absolutely. Like if you really look Absolutely. deep at the Redson Tower, you know, like you know, the whole reason why Becky has that brutal death in that movie is because it's all her fault. You know what I mean? But it's the way that the story plays. Like you don't really realize until wait a minute, holy shit, she's the one that tells Kim to break up with Mitch. She's the one that wants to go to the right. tower. She's the one that you know calls him. You know, makes fun of him and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Like that's why she gets it the worst. I quite I quite yeah. enjoyed that, by the way. I was like, well, you know, I, I like her, but yeah. you know, she, 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 she had to come exactly. and come on. <laughs> and that and that was the thing is like you know you had to put that you had to put that juice on it, and then you know the end of the Redson Tower. You know, I I'm I'm gonna give it away because I mean the movie's you know is old, but like yeah yeah you should have seen, seen it by now. You're you're really missing out because it's a fun movie, but you know when. You know what happens to to Phil Pepper, you know, at the end of the movie saving Kim, and then all of a sudden, you know, Mitch gets the girl. Yeah. Like that's you know that's real life shit. That's not movie shit. That's real life shit. And I try to put real life shit in my movies because I really, I love having that that you know ingredient of realism in my films. It's to me, it's. It's uh, it's it's part of what makes all my films what they are. I have to have that realism. It de- definitely, that's what I liked about it. It's like, is this guy? You can look at it as, oh, this guy's unhinged and this guy's a stalker. But also, this guy's fighting, uh, no matter how you know, dirty and visceral it may be. He's fighting for what he loves and what he believes in. So there's something <laughs> redeeming about that. Like you said, there's yeah. it's a love story. Very, very like twisted. <laughs> He's refusing but, to let go and goes through mm-hmm. fucking hell to get there. Like, but, you, know, you know, when you look back at your first love and your first sex and your first real breakup, like we've all been through that shit, you know. And sometimes, yeah, maybe you want to get on your bike and go fucking kill some people, you know what I mean? But you don't do that. Like you don't do that. Right. Right. Um, but. You know, like we've all had that angst and I thought it was, you know, making that movie when I did. So I was I was 30 years old by the time when I made the Reds and Towers. So I had a nice gap to like tell that story of kid, you know, of teenage kids. So that's why I thought it was, Mm. you know, it was really important for me to make that movie right then and there was like, okay, I, I feel like I've had enough distance from my angst. And like, you know, remember when it was like to break up with a girl or tell the girl I love her and she doesn't love me back or, you know, having, you know, like losing your virginity and then like the girl doesn't care. Things like that. That happens to so many of us. So it was uh, it was easy to kind of put that all together, you know, and especially, you know, writing that with Shelby was a lot of fun. And that was um, I was just going to ask about that. I remember like we were engaged when we were making that. And I remember being like, you know, why don't you change, put your, your last, put Vogel on the credits. 
And she's like, well, I'm not a Vogel yet. I'm still a Jackson. And I was like, all right, you can still. <laughs> That's sweet, though. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, so, I'm yeah. so lucky to, you know, to have um, Shelby as my partner in life and my partner in crime. She's she's the she's the balance that I need to to keep moving forward. She's the gas to the car. You know, she really is. And um. You know, she doesn't get the credit that she deserves, but there would be no fucking Fred Vogel movies without Shelby Vogel, you know, with me, mm-hmm. um, you know, because she she really is that guiding force that, pull. you know, lets me still be the artist and still, you know, keep my ego in, at check. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so lucky to have somebody like her to you know, to keep pulling, come on, Fred, you can do it. And, you know, help motivate me. Cause it's, it's really tough. And, you know, it can be discouraging, especially when you're trying to make a movie and trying to raise money and, um, you know, try different things creatively. And, you know, what are people, I haven't made a movie in 10 years. What are people going to think is, you know, are my fans going to not like this or whatever? And she's always been there. It's like, she's like, no, you're awesome. Your story, you know, you're, she believes in my talent more than me sometimes. So I'm so glad to have her. I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you uh, brought her up because I remember we talked off air one time and you had told me essentially what you just said. And you said you had met the, you you were falling for in love with your wife and you're like, I I don't know how she's going to feel about my movies. And I thought that was like, you know, for brother to brother, I thought that was like sweet. I was like, you're like, oh no, I made these movies, but I really like this girl. Like, what's she yeah. gonna think? You know, so, she's like, gonna have to see him at some point. You tell that story, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah that could be a hard pill to swallow. It's like, hi, I'm Fred. Here's August Underground. You know, most girls could be like, ah, slap me in the face, and you know, tell me to hit the bricks. <laughs> she was just like, right? She was like, wow, I get it. Like, she saw, you know, what that was, and. She was, you know, she was gung ho. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's so funny how like love works because I was, I was ready to move back to, I was, I had moved all my stuff back to my parents' house in New Jersey to move to Los Angeles to go do special effects with like K and B. Like that was the plan. Mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, I, I was done with the Savini school. August Underground was kind of making a little bit of rumbling, but I'm like, I need to find a real job. So I was going to go out to California Mm -hmm. and then I end up meeting Shelby and it's like, Whoa, I meet this girl. And I'm like, I know I need, I need to be with this girl. And I just got out of a relationship and she just got out of a relationship. So we didn't think anything would work. And then a month into us dating, I end up going to Europe to shoot a documentary with necrophagia. Mm -hmm. And um, as I'm in Europe, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm like, in lo- I'm so in love with this girl back in Pittsburgh. I bought Shelby's engagement ring in Spain. You know, and then I kept it in a shoe for four years. You know. Oh so. wow! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! But like, but it was one of those things. Like when I came back, I'm like, I'm moving in with you. She's like, No, you're not. And then I get back and I move in with her, and the rest <laughs> is history. Wow. That's good. Well done. Get the sell those. Get <laughs> well, those roots knew. in there, brother. Yeah, I know. I know. We both, and that's the thing is, like, we both knew, and you know, when that kind of love happens, that storybook, like, you know, that's why they make so many movies about it because it really does happen. It it happens to, 
you know, a bunch of people. And I, I'm so, I'm so lucky that it happened to me to like find, you know, someone who I can, you know, spend my life with and be creative with and inspire. And, you know, we just, uh, I'm very lucky. I would say so. I I think uh, the thing I find most romantic about that story is that you were shooting a documentary for Necrophagia. (laughs) Uh, um, For the listeners that don't know, why don't you? But uh, Necrophagia is a great death. I I don't know if they're quite death metal, but I call them metal S. Yeah, they're 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 (laughs) amazing. Um, Check them out. Yeah. uh, Also. In uh, Killjoy, I know he was a friend of your, oh, a close God. friend of yours, um, passed away quite quite some time now, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's like three years maybe now. Um, yeah, three yeah. years. Wow, time goes so fast. Mm-hmm. But Killjoy right. was one of the first people to believe in it, me. You know, uh, that's awesome. And I didn't know who he was, honestly. I don't. I don't really. At the time, I really didn't listen to any kind of music like that. I'm more of a you know, fifties rock and I'm a rock and roll guy. Like I like Black Sabbath and the Beatles and Hendrix and you know Kiss and you know I, I like rock and roll. And I got this guy contacting me saying, "Hey, I heard about your movie. You know, here's, you know, here's my music." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is different." And I didn't realize mm. the history that Necrophagia had. Necrophagia was one of the first, you know, death metal bands. I mean, from 1983, like that's how long ago. I mean, like he's, you know, Killjoy knew everybody. Dan from Danzig to Metallica, all those guys mm-hmm. knew Killjoy. Yeah, yeah Phil and yeah, was sure. in his band at one point. So, yeah, uh, it's it's cool stuff. He's actually from, I believe he's from my neck of the woods. I'm originally from Akron, Ohio. I think yeah, he's Wellsville. from around there. He's, I know he's from Ohio. Wellsville. Oh, Wellsville. Okay, yeah. But I just remember. So, which documentary did you work on? I remember the old. The first time I heard them is I saw the old. It wasn't even a CD. It was the old DVD where they had uh, aped uh, "City of the Living Dead," and I'm like, "Oh, I yeah, fucking love these guys." So it's it was called Success, and uh-huh. um, it's it was the 2003 Necro Torture Tour over in Europe. And pretty much I made this little documentary where it's like necrophagia really eats the dead. And they're like vampires almost. <laughs> and, you know, Kildre wanted that August Underground look. So, you know, I was the, I was the guy. And, um, that, you awesome. know, when I was over there, I, um, you know, I did merch for the band and, you know, learned a lot. I mean, for Kildre to like take me to Europe and, it was my first time in Europe and then like living like a rock star on a tour bus. And, <laughs> you know, my God, we, Killjoy and I like drank absinthe and almost set a hotel room on fire. And, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I tried, I tried fighting our opening band because I was so drunk from, you know, drinking too much wine in the South of France. And, oh my God. <laughs> you know, this, this madness, madness went on with us. Wow. Sounds like a blast. That sounds amazing. You're that, you're a hell of a. Yeah, you're you're a hell of a drinker, man. I I have slowed down well, in my I, later. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a drinker either, you know. Uh, but of course, when uh, I'm, when I'm having the party, yes. But in, but in my in right. my day to day, not really that much. Mm-hmm. I rather right use God's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you there. Uh, 
we're, like I said, we're working through the toe tag uh, catalog. We'll we'll have to have you back on. But I've noticed there's a running not not in final interview, but in the toe tag movies, there seems to be, and I hope it continues on. But a running theme of you trying to get laid in all the films, which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was like Fred's always trying to get laid in his movies, and I I think like whatever character you are is trying to get laid, and I just I thought that was a funny Easter egg. Hey, you know that's <laughs> it's what life's all about, right? Especially at the you know when you're young. <laughs> oh, definitely. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Um, Britt, do you have uh, any other questions for Fred? I don't want to keep him too long because I know he's got um, an early call. But I do appreciate yeah, um, you coming on. Nothing too specific, but I am curious uh, if you have anything else that you're thinking about on your radar. Do you have any... Uh, you don't have to go into it too much, but do you have um, ideas for your next big project? Or are you still just trying to focus on wrapping up Final Interview before you jump into that? So right now I have... Uh, a Christmas horror movie script Ooh. that's going around that my, my producer Ross is working on in, in Los Angeles trying to make this Christmas horror movie um, that again Rebecca Swan and I did together mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm also writing a wrestling movie because mm-hmm. I love wrestling and I have an idea for um, a movie that takes place in the early or the, the late 70s of wrestling before it became Hulkamania. Um, I have a Frankenstein script that is out there. It really, and then I also have my like passion project, which is called Pittsburgh body removal. And um, I like that title. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about the, that's about yeah, the guys that work for the funeral homes that pick up the dead. So that's the movie that I was so close to making. And then the money fell through, and then I needed a backup plan, and that's how the final interview was born. Oh, okay. So um, I'm hoping, you know, now I think we're, what I'd like to do is I'd like to make Pittsburgh Body Removal a television show. So um, Re- Rebecca Swan and I, it's another project that we're working on. We have a really great writing relationship together. Um, so uh, it's a really great script, but I think but, I think we want to make it into. I think it has legs to be a, t- a TV show, a better TV show than a than a film. That sounds cool. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of angles you can go down to. I immediately thought of necro uh, necromantic <laughs> when you said uh, Pittsburgh body removal, but yeah, definitely. There's all kinds no, of I like that concept with, uh, already. <laughs> you know, that, I, as far- there's a stuff. You know, it's it's just hard. It's 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 hard getting the money, and you know I. I I I, as I always try to find other avenues for money, and then I I just keep hitting walls and have to put my own money into it, and you know uh, it gets expensive. Making movies is, a, is an expensive hobby. Yeah, definitely. But it's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle, you know, it's a lifestyle <laughs> well, de- but it's it, it gets expensive. Well, definitely. And uh, you, in the introduction you guys did before Redson Tower, you, you came out and said. You know, we could have shopped this around, or I guess you guys did shop it around, and you said you would have had to compromise yeah. your vision for what you wanted. So it's better to retain your art. I mean, you literally have to pay for your art, you know, to keep keep what you want. Which I I really respect that. That's why I say when you are asking, you know, fifty dollars from us for for you know a loaded yeah. set for your movies, absolutely, because I know like you're putting so much into yeah. it yeah. and it's again it's you know there's only 1983 copies it's super special 
Um, and the, and the, if I was going to make movies to make money, I wouldn't have made the movies that I make. Like I, I would have, I would have made, I would have made something else. Yeah. You, know? you would have made your compromises. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is like you know to be, to, to be free as an artist, you need to you need to be able to have that. And I'm so lucky that I have it. And, I, and you know, yes, I'd love to be a millionaire, and I you know to have a '57 Chevy in a big fucking house or whatever. But you know what? Like, it's pretty good being Fred Vogel in my little house here in Pittsburgh and all my wonderful friends and getting to make the movies that I want, and, you know, working on big movies and just living the dream as a filmmaker. And, you know, um, not many people get a chance to do that. And I'm very lucky that I get to, like, make movies for a living. So. Yeah, you're a working class filmmaker. How many people can say that? No, and I'm glad, and I'm so happy to be a Pittsburgh filmmaker. You know, uh, you know, mad respect to George Romero who paved the way, and I'm glad to uh, be making you know independent movies here in Pittsburgh myself. So, I, I'm excited about your wrestling movie. We we haven't gotten into wrestling yet, but uh, uh, when you brought that up, I, I've <laughs> just been fixated like... because uh, I'm a huge wrestling fan. You and I, yes, have talked about no, it. It's it's. I really want to tell the story of like what it was like for these guys being on the road all that time back in the day where you had to keep kayfabe and you had to, you know, if some guy stepped into you in the bar and said, Hey, wrestling's fake. You had to punch their lights out. You know, that's the way it was. You had to, you know, the good guys couldn't ride with the, you know, with the bad guys. Like it was, it was an unwritten law. And, um, I really want to tell that story. And I'm very interested in that. So I, I, I hope uh, that comes to fruition soon because I can't wait for that one. Um, and if you need any help with promotion or anything on that, you let me know. <laughs> if you have a role for me, let me know. Sh- shameless, sh- shameless pandering here. <laughs> I, I, I'll work for free. <laughs> Uh, but no, I just love it. Uh, I'm getting Brittany into yeah. Dark Side of the Ring, and because she's kind of I'm the, outside the outsider. Ring. <laughs> I mean, you know, you were a uh, you're Although outside. Although I am of the wearing ring, that wrestling so, shirt today, bringing up. She did oh, make yeah. uh, the fans at home can't see it, but it. she made a <laughs> exclusive shirt for Eric Rowan. Awesome. So I thought that was pretty cool. What, what yeah. a good, what yeah, a good but, dude that uh, guy you. is, right? Oh, go awesome yeah he's yeah, great he seems really nice i haven't met him in person yeah, yeah Joe's but maybe a great i will guy. i don't know <laughs> yeah soon soon hopefully uh but you have speaking of wrestling your you have a is it full now you have a full collection of ljn wwf figures oh, yes, from the 1980s <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Check out if you just want to see them. Check out Fred's. They're on your Instagram, right, and your Facebook. Because I can't show my pictures of my movies. I get like deleted off Facebook, so people get Fred's record of the day <laughs> or my wrestling figures so, and my kit, my new kitten. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I got a we got a new little member to the family. His name's Bennett, named after the bad guy from Commando. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. He's a good boy. That's awesome. Uh, well, I, th- I wanted to start something new here with you, Fred, oh before we let you go, uh, give us, uh, outside <coughs> of your films, what are, give us one of your favorite wrestling matches and one of your, uh, favorite films for our, uh, fans out there in signals Ooh. from Pittsburgh. Um, my favorite wrestling matches, 
Well, I'm going to say I love the the Jimmy Superfly Snooker Dama Rocco Steel Cage match. Um, I love the Road Warriors versus anybody. <laughs> Especially like <laughs> AWA Road Warriors. Um, Hulk Hogan, uh, King Kong Bundy, Steel Cage, WrestleMania 2. You know, the Andre match, you know, everybody talks about the Andre, you know, WrestleMania 3. You know, that's so iconic. But, you know, I just, that big blue cage and the blood and all that stuff was just awesome. So those are my favorite. That's some of my favorite. I mean, Steamboat, Ric Flair. I mean, there's, I love wrestling so much. I can talk about it all day. Um, so now you're asking me my favorite movies as well? Yeah, yeah. What are some of something recently you've seen or that's, you know, inspired you throughout a couple that in reference to what you've made, but like just something that you've seen recently or something that's always, uh, you know, over, over the edge the is one of my favorite non-horror films. It's the Matt Dillon's first movie. Um, it's, if you've never seen it, it's brilliant. Um, you know, it's about a bunch of kids that live in, you know, the, this little town. It's kind of like being overdeveloped and these they, these kids like vandalized their school and locked their teachers and their parents in there and shoot them up. And it's just crazy madness. And I love it. Wow. I've never heard of that um, one. You never heard of it? No, I never oh even my. heard of it. I haven't I'll seen have to it. check no. it out. I'm gonna you check know, it like, out now. It's, it's crazy because you're watching like Matt Dillon and he's like 14 years old. <laughs> so... It, Mm-hmm. But it's it's definitely one of my favorites, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, phew, what did I watch recently that I really liked? It's always so hard because my, you know, like right now my brain is just mush because I'm just, you know, <laughs> tired from work. But um, I talk about Three Billboards a lot because I really like Three Billboards. I know yeah. it's not that new anymore, but I I thought that was I thought that was really, really great. Good. I. I love the Coen Brothers Buster Scruggs that you know my star of the final interview Granger Hines is in. I thought that was really great. Um, you know, and I gotta give a shout out to Frankenstein, James Whale, nineteen thirty one. It's my favorite movie of all time. Um, I love Popeye with Robert Altman. <laughs> musical. I, mean, I, I like musicals. I love you know Grease two. That's like our wedding song, Shelby and I's wedding song from Grease two, the end of Grease two. So. That's yeah. that's that's yeah. a deep yeah. cut. Some so, grease too. Know, I I love movies. You know <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I mean? All of mm-hmm. it. You know, there's there's Absolutely. there's some really great gems out there, but I respect anybody who has put the time in and the effort and the heart and the love to make a film. And uh, you should everybody Absolutely. should be applauded, even when they make a stinker. Yep. You know? <laughs> that absolutely. There's definitely some yeah. meat on the bone there. Uh, I'm. Brittany, I'll let you wrap it up here in one second, but I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Fred. Uh, I could talk to you for hours, but uh, everybody needs to go out, uh, check out the final interview, buy it before it sells out. We'll have this podcast out shortly, so it, hopefully it will not be sold out by then, but hopefully <laughs> quickly there afterwards. And uh, thank you for being a good dude. It's like I met you just as a friend and uh, came to came to learn your movies and I'm still going down your the path of your uh, filmography and, and loving every minute of it. And you've been nothing oh, but gracious. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Man. Thanks for coming on. Um, hopefully once COVID is under control someday, 
uh, we'll have a chance to kind of hang out a little more. Um, I think I met you a few times in person, just in passing real quick, you know, and then COVID took over. But yeah. it'll be nice to um, kind of meet more formally in person eventually. And uh, until then, I'll keep an eye out. I'm, I'm looking forward to some of these movies. And if anybody can bring back Christmas horror, I think that you can do it. So I'm excited to see something oh, out of that. Me too. It's a great it's a great little story, too. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll definitely keep I'll keep an eye out for everything you do. And I'm excited to get that um, that box set of the final interview pretty soon. It'll be shipping very soon. Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> I, w- I was devastated because I was like two away from oh. getting the 666 copy of the August Underground trilogy. I was like, shit, I should have waited <laughs> I, like, two I, more. I have that copy. So, you know. Ah. Oh, okay. So there you go. So yes, it went it to was. it went to a good home. Is there anything else you want to promote that we can work in? Uh, any uh, of your websites? Anything beyond the final interview? Yep, uh, the, so like the final interview in? is thefinalinterviewmovie.com, and you can get everything you need to know about the final interview um, there. Uh, you can check me out on my social media, Fred Vogel. But um, you know, guys, thank you very much. It's uh, it's it was great. To, it was great chatting with you tonight, and. For all you filmmakers out there that want to get it done, just do it. Just pick up a camera and make a movie. Good advice. Um, and I, just to close this out, we um, like to have our guests do a little um, exit promo, if you don't mind. Uh, basically, okay. um, some sort of variation on uh, this is Fred and you're listening to Signals from Pittsburgh. You can put your own flair on it, uh, whatever you like. This is Fred Vogel and you're listening to Signals from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh.